Things sound different. Is it because we're recording in a church? No. Is it because... We sound like babies. No. This isn't a very convincing effect. You would say that because now we're robots. That makes no sense at all. It makes street sense. Hold on. Let me try that again. It makes street sense. Yeah, these vocal effects are nifty, but uh, that's not what I'm detecting. Okay, what are you detecting? Well, it's what I'm not hearing. I'm sounding very... mono. Ah, yes. Well, we've lost the stereo part of the podcast. Well, I say lost. It's been stolen. Stolen? Who took our delightful stereophonic second channel from us? Why, that would be Susan. Susan. That's Greek for servant of the dark army that seeks to undermine democracy, isn't it? No, but that aside, Susan has seized the stereo component of the podcast to enact some evil plot. I believe that the conspirators are thinking of launching a new triphonic audio system, which fits in nicely with some of the rumours I've been hearing about why exactly scientists keep growing those ears on the back of mice. Hmm. You know, I'm not entirely sure the plot we're laying out makes much sense. It makes street sense. You keep saying that. Repeating it doesn't make it true. Ah, but what if I say it like... This. It makes street sense. Well, now I'm convinced. Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I am Josh Edison, they are Dr. M. Dentith. We are co-located in Auckland, New Zealand. Yep, within with an actual spitting distance, but let's not do that. And say let's French kiss instead. Well, when the camera's off. Um, but that does mean we both get to play with this magical little mixing, boardy, sound effecty doodad paid for with the sweat and toil of our good uh, patrons. All the stolen money. I mean, how you get your money is entirely your well, business. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't judge. So, yeah, it, it, it does everything. It's a podcast in a can. And, and if the can was shaped like a box with dials and buttons and stuff. Plus, it does mean I can now censor everything Josh says. Just say something. Okay. And it did work very well, but the problem was... ...video, it didn't actually work. Anyway, yeah, no, but sure, sure. That Let's was that. disgusting and vile. Yep. Um, yes, so there we go. We have our magical new piece of kit, which, why, if you're watching on video, is why we're canned up. We've got these sweet, sweet cans. It's true. We are canny. Yes. Uh, so that we can hear what we're saying without you hearing what we're saying, but hearing what we're actually saying. I don't think I've explained that correctly. No, but I'm actually thinking more of the fact that canny is a really, really bad punny joke, and I should not have said this. And I apologise to Indeed. both the watchers and the listeners of this VOD slash podcast for engaging in humour which is unbecoming of an associate professor. Yeah, and an associate professor you are. So yes, we're here in Auckland. I am still here in Auckland. Josh, prove I'm still here in Auckland, in a way which also produces sound. Oh, like, you know, um, bite my hand or uh, something. If I not 
don't know if that comes across on the microphone. No, not really. It just gave me an excuse to punch an iWatch, though, which is what Oh, you've been waiting for a long so time, long, haven't you? Yeah. So very long. So yes, I'm still here. Uh, I will probably not be here come the middle of February. I'm receiving my visa at the end of next week and then making Fingers my plans crossed. for for leaving the country. So could be gone as early as beginning of Feb or the latest by the end of Feb. I've got two weeks of quarantine to look forward to when I arrive. Right. And then at some point towards the end of Feb, I'll be in an office. And then the question will be, will I be recording from the office or from home? Because then we've got time zones to deal with. Mm. And time zones are going to be very, very weird. Time zones are tricky monkeys. Yeah, so anyway, that's a, that's a problem for another time. It is indeed. Just have to sort that out when we come to it. Um, what else? This is episode 299. Now, if my, if my mathematics serves me correctly, that means next week is episode 300. God, I wish you told me we we're going to do math. I would have got some paper and done some calculations. Right, yeah, no, I'm but pretty sure. If we if we carry the one, divide by pi, uh, use an irrational number, and then calculate the distance between the Earth and the Moon and the Moon and Mars, I think that does mean that yeah, next week is episode three hundred. Right, we'll have to do something special for that then. Oh, but the trick is, we already have. Dun, dun, dun. God, I wish I'd actually oh, put you a need dun, a dun, 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 dun sting. Yeah. Damn. I actually should have put one in there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Maybe in, next in, week. In, in, instead, I'll just go, Here we go. Fine, that'll do. Um, yes, so, so, so. Yeah, we actually do need a long-standing dun, dun, dun sound mm. when we don't have other sound effects. So the problem with this mixing decks, 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 deck, this mixing deck, is that we've got a whole bunch of buttons here. So we've got a button to play the intro, a button to play the outro. Uh, we've got a button to play the intro to the patron bonus episode, a button to play the outro to the patron bonus episode, and then basically two spare buttons, which when we're doing a Lord Morrissey. Morrissey will be the intro and outro to that. This week, of course, I could have had a dun-dun-dun plugged in, but I didn't I think of it. And basically I'm I'm just regretting a lot mm. of life choices this week. An That's awful lot of life choices. Um, and then also we have yet another patron, I understand. Yes, although this is someone who hasn't paid for the full reveal of their patronage. So all I can say M, because you've got a first name that starts with that letter, is that we're on to you. And we're only on to you because you're giving us money. So frankly, this plot of yours is not working out. Mm, mm. And um, I think that's all we have to say before we do the actual episode. And what an episode. Yes, it's a What the Conspiracy episode mm. where this week I introduce Josh to hopefully a conspiracy theory he's never heard of. Yes, hopefully. And I'll, I'll do my best to, to act surprised if it turns out to be one that I have heard of. But... Um... So we just get straight into it and, and, and avoid any sort of suspense? Yes, I think that means I need to press this button here. Now, as is traditional with our What the Conspiracy episodes, I'm going to ask you three questions. When did this conspiracy occur? Or at least, when is this conspiracy theory said to have occurred? Since, of course, we may or may not be talking mm. about a warranted or unwarranted conspiracy theory. 
I want a where. It's a where in the world. So I will say it's an Earth-based conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Just to, just in case you're worried about the universe being immensely large, it is a conspiracy theory based on Earth. Narrow and system, I want you. I want a time frame. So when in time, I think that was actually covered by the that first was, thing I, I, I said. Was, yes. uh, but you can tell me twice mm -hmm. because, frankly, I might forget as I did the first time. And then I want what kind of conspiracy. So when, where, and what. Yeah, well, now, see, last time I was in this position, I was frighteningly accurate with the when and the where and was completely off with the what when, as I recall, I, I assumed it would be something to do with cheese. Um, so I think that the only sensible thing to do would be give you the exact same answers I did first time because they worked so well the first time. I mean, that's logical, right? Now, that the thing sense. is... This eventually is going to work in your favour because you were frighteningly accurate and, spoiler alert, there's actually more to the gallery conspiracy than initially led on. So eventually, if you give those answers, you'll be right. But will you be right this week? Well, I think there's only one way to find out. I'm guessing it's somewhere in the 16th century. Okay. I'm guessing it's still in England. And as for the kind, I was off with the cheese so I think I'm going to have to, is it a yogurt-themed conspiracy? Sticking with the dairy. Yeah. Okay, well, let me tell you where, which is technically Australia, although technically here's doing an awful lot of work. When? It's the 20 or 21st century. So it still continues to this very day? And, well, no, I mean, it's kind of answered now, oh, okay. if indeed it's real. And it's a literary mystery. Literary. Ooh, I yes. read sometimes. That is a, a bold-faced lie, and you're saying it to my face. Yep. Whilst not being bald, which makes it a lot worse. Not, not even bald-faced, actually. Mm. So, today I'm going to tell you the tale of Todd Noy, a Perth-born Australian Pulitzer Prize-winning sports journalist who, amongst other works of fiction, wrote the 1989 book Drago on Mountains We Stand, a published piece of Rocky IV fan fiction which details Ivan Drago's life after Rocky IV, including his fall and his rise. Do you know about Todd Noy? I do not. None of this sounds familiar at all. Uh, I, I, I'm not hearing a conspiracy yet, though. Well, but, I mean, please tell me more about the well, no, no, adventures no, 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 no. of Ivan Drago. First of all, first of all we probably should talk about how much we stand Dolph Lund Lundgren on this podcast. Yes, Dolph Lundgren... He is the bee's knees. And not just because we appreciate his fine attempts at acting in a variety of straight-to-DVD films and straight-to-streaming films in recent years. Dolph Lundgren was a Rhodes Scholar. He's an actually quite, mm. quite smart man. So was a chemical just, engineer? Yeah, yeah, who just happened to get into a relationship with Grace Jones, became mm -hmm. a model and then an actor, and now is probably nowhere near as successfully would have been if he'd been a chemical engineer. Well, it's kind of hard to tell with how do you measure success? A Hollywood C-lister. Mm. I mean, because we and love also Dolph like Swedish, Swedish martial arts champion in whichever particular. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. He actually might be doing. I mean, I suppose it depends on whether he'd become, say, associate professor as a chemical mm. engineer after his Rhodes Scholarship. But no, we love Dolph we Lundgren do. on yep. this podcast. He might be almost as good as heartthrob Rutger Hauer. But of course, the thing about Dolph Lundgren, which unfortunately Rutger Hauer doesn't have, 
Is it Dolph Lundgren's alive? He is. And Rutger Hauer allegedly is quite dead. Mm, mm, that was a bit of a shame. Now, people may not know this, but I used to write short fiction, and I once submitted a piece of fiction to Rutger Hauer's website, which he selected to come out in an anthology, which was never published. Mm. So technically, Rutger Hauer knew who I was. Well, there we go. Didn't know who I was, and neither does Dolph Lundgren, as far as I'm aware. Well, you should, uh, we should get Dolph Lundgren to also put forward a fiction mm. anthology, and then you can write something. And right. then Dolph will know who you are, Rutger will know who I was. No, actually that, that kind of works in a temporal sense because he's dead. Yeah. Anyway, we're get, getting off thing. We, I you think want, we are yeah. a little bit, yeah, it's not about what you or I may have written, it's about what this, what was his right. name? Uh, Todd Noy. Todd Noy, Todd Noy. Right. tell me about him. So, well, actually, let's talk about the book. Drago on Mountain to be Stayed. So is it an actual book, a published book? A published book. You can buy it online. Dang. Well, actually, no, you, though you can't buy it, well, actually, no, you can buy it online, but you can also get it from the Neue Estate. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of unusual because it is a piece of fan fiction based on the ending of Rocky IV, although apparently it's no longer in canon with the rest of the Rocky films, including Creed Two, which actually deals with... Yes. ...with... Drago's son and Rocky's kind of adopted spiritual son mm. in respect to Apollo Creed's son. So yeah, so On Mountains We Stand, or Drago On Mountains We Stand. Now the book, the book starts with the following opening. The following work is a gross abuse of copyright. Names, places and events have been unchanged. I have done this with the firm belief that a king's story is more important than the literary regulations I flaunt. Now, this book has numerous five-star ratings on Goodreads, and it's referred to as Noy's final masterpieces. Now, quick question. How long do you think this book is, and how many chapters do you think it has? Right, well, I do happen to know that the longest single work ever produced was a work of fan fiction. I can't remember exactly who it was fanficking about, so I'm going to guess it's maybe 4,000 pages long. Interesting. Do you know how tall a 4,000-page book would be? We'll, we'll come back to this, so don't, don't answer now. Uh, the book is 80 pages long oh. and features 67 chapters. Indeed, sometimes it has more than one chapter per page. Okay, keeps things brief. I like it. It is. Uh, now, Drago on Mountains We Stand has been mentioned in articles on Rocky IV in such magazines as Sports Illustrated, and used to be referenced on the Wikipedia page for Rocky IV, although now it's been relegated to the page on Ivan Drago, because, of course, Wikipedia has a page on Ivan Drago. Wikipedia lacks many important pages on things that actually do exist, and has many unimportant pages on things that don't exist. Yes, I remember, I can't remember who it was, suggested the pastime of wiki-groaning, which is where you look up a real-world topic and then look up a fictional topic that's sort of similar and then groan at, ex at how much more work was put into the, the, um, the fictional ones, such as, you know, looking up the Wikipedia page on fencing and then looking up the Wikipedia page on lightsaber fighting styles, and it's a little depressing. Yeah, Wikipedia is very interesting, both from a philosophical and capitalist perspective, but we won't get into Wikipedia no. right now. So, an odd fact about Drago on Mountains We Stand. So not only is it a, a, a published piece of fanfic, which is quite unusual mm. in fan fiction world, it's also got a rather unusual history of procurement. 
So if you go and look at those Goodread pages on Drago on Mountains We Stand, most of the reviews suggest that people did not buy the book, but rather they found a copy in a weird place, such as when they were hiking in the Andes, and they found a copy in a, a hut, or they're given copies by complete strangers. Right. D do we know, I should ask at the start, does this book actually exist? Yes, it so, does. So we, do, we do have physical proof that if it you, exists if, as a thing. If you go to the Neue State website, you can order copies of Todd Neue's books, and right. they will be delivered to your house, and you can read them. In fact, if I'd had time, I had, I had because I, I thought by the time we got around to this episode, I'd be overseas, I actually would have ordered a copy to present it to show you the book actually mm. does exist. Now, the big question, first of all, is who is Todd Noy? Well, yes, you said he's an Australian writer. Well, is let this me a give pseudonym? You, let me give you the Goodreads bio of mm -hmm. Todd Noy. This is Todd Noy. Todd Noy was a prize-winning sports journalist from Perth, Western Australia. He has written for VFL Weekly, The Guardian and KO magazine. His novels include Okadike, March of the Noxman, House of Fiego, the Alabaster Wars, and Drago on Mountains We Stand. His short works include Limey and Me, Letters to Dante, and Gout. Noy disappeared in January 1992 after a long battle with drug and alcohol addictions. Presumed dead, a memorial service was held in his honour in Perth in December 1995. He is survived by his two sons, Marlon and Quince, and his beautiful long-term partner, English cellist Elizabeth Harrington. Through the tireless efforts of Marlon Noy and Robert Wallace, the Noy estate has painstakingly restored and continues to release limited editions of Todd's classic works, including Noy's semi-autobiographical, previously unreleased volume, Swarmer. Right, well that doesn't sound overly outlandish. Now, interesting note, The Alabaster Wars, which does not survive in its entirety, is thought to be at least 4,000 pages long. I see. Now, I'll go back to that question I asked at the beginning. How big do you think a 4,000-page book would be? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing a metre or two off the ground. It would be the height, the height of a door. Right. 4,000 pages is a lot of pages. It is, yep. It also would not be a book you could produce with a usable spine. Actually, talking about that, did you ever watch Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? No. So Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is a Channel 4 comedy series about a Stephen King-esque writer, although he, he's, a, believe, he's of the firm belief that he knows writers who use subtext and their counts. Right. So everything he does is very straight on the nose. And Dark Place is meant to be a kind of TV adaptation of the kind of stories he produces. And he talks about producing a single volume of all of his works in one bound volume, which comes installed in a special vice, because there's no way the book can actually exist spine-wise without being clamped the entire time. So people have thought about producing books of this length, but no. Uh, the Alabaster Wars appears to be almost impossibly long, but because the book does not survive in its entirety, it's not entirely clear in what form it was meant to initially have been presented. Mm. Uh, so other interesting facts. Old Okadike, which is one of his books, is an oral novel, so it was actually never in print, and it's based upon a classic outback fireside story. So... How do we know it exists? Uh, because it's attested to by the Neue State and by Neue experts. I see, okay. 
Uh, another interesting note, Todd Noy has... Don't look up Todd Noy. I'm not looking up Todd Noy. Good, good. I'm looking yes. up something else, don't worry. Okay, I'm good. Uh, he had an honorary degree from the University of New Delhi. And kind of the weird thing is that he wrote original fiction. His original fiction is said to be very good. But for some reason, his masterpiece is a piece of Rocky IV fanfic. Hmm. So I was just looking up the... Um... The longest, world's longest fan fiction known as the Subspace Emma series World's Conquest is currently over three and a half million words. That's a Super Smash Brothers piece of fan fiction, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's based on Super Smash Brothers. It's apparently three times as long as Marcel Proust's A la Recherche du Temps Perdu, six times as long as Infinite Jest, and 13 times long as Ulysses. That's a fact you know now. It's true. You're never going to be erased that fact. Never going to be erased? You're never going to be able to erase that fact from your heads. Now. Anyway, do continue. Now, as I say, it's most people seem to get their copies of Drago and Mountains We Stand from other people. It's also not clear who the original publisher was, but the Neue State now, as stated in the Goodreads bio, is producing copies for people to purchase because with Noi being dead, presumably the copyright has returned back to the estate and they're simply handling all, all of this work. And because Noi is dead, we don't really know why he wrote Drago on Mountains We Stand. Right, I, I mean, this is, this is all slightly weird, um, but not... not not outside the rounds of possibility. I, I'm still not hearing a conspiracy theory, though, yet. Okay, well, let's talk about who is promoting Noy. Okay. So we've got the Noy estate, mm -hmm. and we've got the lawyer for the Noy estate, which is one Robert Wallace, who is a barrister working in London who works for the Noy estate. Uh, and the Noy estate recently released a lost Noy novel by the name of Swarmer, which is available to purchase from the Noy estate website. But otherwise, when you start looking to Todd Noy, you start looking into the world of Todd Noy expertise, the people who research and try to find lost Noy works. And there are two major rival Noy experts, one David Alat and one Robert Smith. Not that Robert Smith, was... a completely different yeah, Robert Smith. I was going to say. Now, Alat, like most people who are fans of Todd Noy, got his first copy of Drago on Mountains We Stand from a tramp on a day where he was feeling almost suicidal. Obviously. So he was having a wander, he was a teenager, having a wander around his town. A tramp came up to him and said, you look pretty glum, mate, you should read this book. And the book apparently changed his life and then made him into a noy expert who went around trying to... <laughs> you are looking at me as if I'm making this entire story up. I am looking at you like that, yes. But it's all written down, so I'll take your word for it. Uh, now, both Alat and Robert Smith claim to have expert inside knowledge of Noy's work, including having had access via the Noy estate to previously unseen Noy extracts. So David Alat uh, was able to reveal parts of Swarmer before it was actually released, showing he does have some contact with Robert w Wallace and the Noy estate. And they are both rivals going back to their younger days when they were in... They were competitors in shuffleboarding in the UK. Obviously. Because I did not know competitive shuffleboarding was a thing. Oh, competitive everything is a thing, I think. Now, Swift owned a pub that Noy used to frequent when he was working for The Guardian in London, 
Uh, this place is called The Queen's Head, and they sell a Noi-inspired pie, the Piccadilly pie, which is apparently a kind of pie that Noi used to enjoy when he worked in London. And Swift has contact with at least one of the children of Todd Noi, Marlon Quince, who visits the pub with some regularity. And as I say, both Alat and Swift have a very long-standing rivalry. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, uh, weird, not overtly conspiratorial. Okay, well, here's some additional facts. Noise books often come signed, which is a bit of a problem since apparently he died in 1992. Okay. Uh, Noi can't have won a Pulitzer because the first Australian to win a Pul- Pulitzer was Nathaniel Brooks in 2006, which is once again after Todd Noy's death. Okay. Anyone who's done any research into Todd Noy can find no copies of articles written by him in any magazines, including The Guardian, which does have a search engine which allows you to go back out into the early 90s and late 80s to find out what articles they had in print. Okay, I'm starting to see a pattern here. There is no University of New Delhi. Right. You'd think there would be. There is no Australian folk story called Old Oakadike. That you know that anyone in Australia knows. Uh, As I said, a 4,000-page book would be as tall as a door. Oh, uh, also, apparently, parts of the Alabaster Wars, which David Alat read, were partially written on toilet paper. Hmm. Uh, The law firm in London that Robert Wallace is said to belong to does not exist. So, uh, So we got more... It's not just noise that doesn't exist. We have suspicions that more than one person doesn't exist. Are you going to tell me that I don't exist at the end of this? Because it feels like that's where we're headed. Well, I mean, I'm going to have my own doubts about whether mm. I exist. Finally, everyone who's ever reviewed or written on Noi is connected to one man on social media. I thought you were about to say is dead. <laughs> I was really worried. And that is Noi expert David Alat. Okay. So... Am I to assume, then, that people have suggested that Todd Noy doesn't exist and that the entire backstory is just a way for this one guy to peddle his fanfiction? Yes. Right. Is it his rival who says this, but then the rival is the one who also nevertheless believes that claims that Todd Noy existed? I'm very confused. David Alant and Robert Swift may not be good friends, but they are acquaintances who don't have the rivalry that they make out to have. I see. So now the so surely the question now is why? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is a question. All right. Well, what 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 other questions do you have? Um one is one <laughs> I suppose that, a sort that, of a that's more sort of a sound a, than is uh, a question. Yeah, I, yeah, I I suppose yeah. So so okay. If I'm if I'm if I'm getting this correctly, we have an author who has a whole backstory and and a fairly detailed one. All and of which, published books. And, and published books, now, all of which... I should also point out, people who have read Drago on Mountains We Stand say it is actually an excellent novel. Oh. So it's not, it's not just a bit of fan fiction where mythology has risen around it. People say it is actually a genuinely good book. And the recently re- released Swarmer is also said to be very, very good indeed. Hmm. An 80-page book with 67 chapters. Yeah. 
But it I is mean, punchy. It, it does. It sounds like something somebody put up on a on a on a blog, one post at a time, and each each post became no. a chapter or something. But, no, no, it was okay. not. So 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 is is it then is it then the rest of the literary world are the conspiracy theorists, and their theory is that that all of this is is a fabrication, uh, just to make a, um, some dodgy fan fiction or, or, or high-quality fan fiction more marketable. Is that what's going on here? Well, no. So basically the story of Todd Noy is the story of David deciding one day under encouragement by friends to actually write a bit of Rocky IV fan fiction. And his plan was he wanted someone famous and associated with the boxing world to then claim they'd got a copy of the book and then get that famous person implicated as the actual writer of the book. So the initial plan was they really actually wanted to give a copy of Drago and Mountains We Stand to Dolph Lundgren on the notion that they go, look, here's the book. Don't say you didn't write it, but at the same time allow people to assume you did write it. What a fun luck that would be. But unfortunately, they had no way of actually getting contact mm. with Dolph Lundgren. So Mike Tyson, who was in the UK at one point, thought, we'll give it to him. And this basically failed completely. So David tried to get close to Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson's bodyguards went, this guy looks weird, and basically wrestled him to the ground. So he was never able to pass the book on to Mike Tyson to try and make him appear to be the author of a bit of Rocky IV fan fiction. Is Mike Tyson one of those people that they talk about who has bodyguards because if he ever punched someone in the face, he'd probably take their head off? I have a feeling that might be yes. why he has bodyguards, not to protect Mike Tyson, but, but to, protect to protect Mike Tyson by... from manslaughter charges. Yes. Well, yeah, amongst mm. other things which they have failed to protect him from, but yeah. that's another matter anyway. entirely. So basically what David then did, and I'm now going actually not entirely sure that I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, he then gave copies of the book Drago and Mountains We Stand to friends, without actually saying that he was the author. So he decided that he would invent an author and actually went with Todd Noy because it sounded like a really, really amusing name. And then basically his friends and other acquaintances started playing a game. So they started reviewing Dragon Mountains We Stand on Goodreads and developing this mythology around Todd Noy, which eventually then went to the point where people started editing Wikipedia to put references on there. And that was basically where it stood until two Australian podcasters, Alexi Toliopoulos and Cameron James, who had previously run a film review po podcast, then when there's this really weird reference on the Rocky Four Wikipedia page about a book about... Ivan Drago, apparently written by an Australian author, which we've never heard of, so we're going to investigate this. And so they did this podcast called Finding Drago, where they're initially trying to track down any information about Todd Noy in Australia. So they call the National Archives, they ring up anyone with the last name Noy, they talk to people in Perth, they start doing research into folk stories and the like to find if they can get any collaborating evidence and they basically don't find anything. And then they get in contact with the Noi experts, 
and they very quickly come to the conclusion that the Neue experts are basically leading them along. So this is a fascinating case of something which started out as a game and then became a conspiracy when people started investigating it because the people behind it, notably David and Robert, thought they'd be able to fool the, the two podcasters into believing Noy was a real person, despite the fact that, as the two Australians pointed out, there was no evidence of Todd Noy ever existing, and all of the collaborating evidence that was meant to show that Todd Noy was a real person didn't exist at all. Hmm. Okay. Uh, against all probabilities, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Mm. And the thing is, if you actually want to know more about Todd Noy and the excitement of Drago and Mountains We Stand, I would recommend taking a listen to Finding Drago, which is about two years old now. It's eight parts and it is a roller coaster of a ride. We haven't even touched on some of the really weird stuff that happens along the way. And then once you've finished listening to Finding Drago, I would heartily recommend their follow-up podcast Finding Desperado, which deals with him tracking down a reference in the Guinness Book of Record for the youngest person ever nominated for a prize for making a commercial film. And that story goes in a lot of very weird places. Mm. Very weird places indeed. Oh well, maybe I should check it out. Maybe you should check it out. I've, I've already viewer. checked it out, mm. and I'm actually happy to check it out again. Mm. Well, there we go. Okay, well, I, uh, is there, sorry, I, I just, just before we well, yeah, start, is, is there more? No, is no, there yeah, any more? I mean, la last time I had a whole bunch of Shakespearean stuff to go into, but mm. no, that, that is basically... Okay. Well, well that, that was quite a ride, I'll have to say. Um, and y yes, uh, well done, I guess. Something I hadn't heard of. Something I'm almost certain my life is better for actually hearing now. But. Yeah, yeah, Todd Noy, uh, slash David Alat, Alat, I don't know, I, I, I actually probably should have, I should have listened back to the episode where they introduced him to get his last name correct. I was so pleased that I'm pronouncing Alexei Toliopoulos' name correctly, mm. that actually a standard English name, I'm now going, is it really just Alat, Alat? I... Now I'm going, oh, I really need to do more time, spend more time writing down how people's names are pronounced, because really it is my absolute weakness, and it's going to be an absolute weakness when I'm in China, so I just have to get used to it. Yep, yep, now oh, well. Get used to preparing things mm. properly. Yes. Right, well, I think another successful episode of What the Conspiracy? We need more stings. We do, we do. We actually do need a What on. the Conspiracy mm. sting. If anyone has a suggestion for a sting for What the Conspiracy, or indeed a better name for the segment, please do write in. We always appreciate your emails. One thing we don't appreciate is the constant replies we get to that one single oh, podcast God. we did on... Oh, what's, Un what? Uncle Sam's Snuff yeah, Factory. Yeah, Uncle Sam's Snuff Factory, which continues to get about a comment a week on YouTube by people who are either telling us that we're ignoring the truth of what she says, or this week, thank you for drawing attention with your critical faculties. It'll help get the message out about what she's say saying, which was kind of suggestive of they think that we agree with mm. her. It was very weird, very weird. Indeed. It is. I I'm assuming, therefore, that 
the Uncle Sam's Snuff Factory conspiracy is the most obscure one we've ever covered, given that it seems like this podcast is, is the, the only, only time anyone's yeah. actually talked about it, other than the people uh, uh, involved in the conspiracy theorising themselves. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's actually something right for us to go back maybe and look we at to see yeah. whether, whether the story's changed at all or whether it's still the same old, same old. Mm. Now, that's the end of this episode. But, of course, we have a bonus episode for our lovely patrons who give us money and they allow us to furnish ourselves with these magical podcasting devices and all that sort of stuff. Um, now, a thing that we managed to go this entire episode without mentioning is that we're recording this on um, January the 21st New Zealand time. Which... Or the evening of January the 20th US time. And you may, you might, might, might have noticed that... Um, Something happened in America on January the 20th, US time. Was it an earthquake? Uh, probably. Volcanic eruption? Forest fire. No, uh, tsunami. Oil spill. Penguin attack. Yes. Penguin attack. Yes. Um, no, so the, 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 I guess, momentous events um, of, of January the 20th will be what we're... Um, discussing in the bonus episode. We, last week we had we, we had assumed things would get a bit rowdier, I think. So our basic plan was we were just going to sit here um, refreshing our Twitter feed and checking the news sites to see what sorts of craziness have happened um, with the inauguration of President Joe Biden. Um, just giving the game away there. Or possibly the inauguration of Donald Trump wearing Joe Biden's skin. Mm. So, yeah, th th basically, I think there's enough to talk about for an entire bonus episode there. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. So, yes, if you're a patron, you can tune into that as soon as I've uploaded it after uploading this episode. And if you're not a patron, well, the details about becoming a patron will be coming up very shortly in a sting, which just requires me to press a single button. Right. Well, the then single button, I can sting. Mm. Well, before you press that single button, then... I think we should probably uh, do the polite and civil thing and say goodbye. Vladivostok. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy is Josh Addison and me, Dr. MRX Dentith. You can contact us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com and please do consider supporting the podcast via our Patreon. And remember, the truth is out there, but not quite where you think you left it.